This is an ABC podcast. In the spring of 1662, a Portuguese princess named Catherine stepped onto a large ship destined for England. Her royal parents had arranged for her to marry the new kind of hunky King of England, Charles II, a union that could save Portugal from Spanish invasion. Back then, a bride often came with a dowry. While the nature of a dowry changes from culture to culture, 17th century English custom considered it a gift, bestowed on the groom as a sign of gratitude from the bride's family for taking away the curse of having a daughter. The size of a dowry depended on a number of things, including the status of the groom, how wealthy the bride's parents were, and whether or not the bride was considered a lost cause. For example, as a common born with no hymen to speak of, the most a groom could have expected from my parents is a lecture on housing affordability and a blanket embroidered with the word sucker. Being a princess, Catherine's dowry was a little more enticing. It included a significant amount of money. The entire city of Bombay, now known as Mumbai, and a small chest which travelled with her across the Celtic Sea, containing an exotic substance that would become one of England's most beloved pastimes. You're listening to Little Tiny, stories about the small things that have changed the world. I'm Kara Schlegel, and this is The Leaf. of Braganza arrived on the gloomy shores of Portsmouth, England, at a very awkward time. Civil war had ripped the country apart. The monarchy had only just been restored after the Brits had a brief flirtation with republicanism. I often wonder why the Brits have maintained a monarchy for so long, considering the Queen is essentially an overblown mascot these days, but it might come down to this brief period where they killed their king and tested out a puritanical dictator named Oliver Cromwell. Cromwell banned makeup and having fun on Christmas. It was never going to end well. He screwed it up so badly, the British begged to have the monarchy back. Yet still, expectations for this new monarchy were high, and Catherine's husband, the King of England, Scotland and Ireland, had a lot riding on this latest alliance. Catherine was short, slight of frame with dark features, opposite to the Anglo ideal which would, in later years, see women paint their faces with lead to give their skin that glowing corpse look. They literally killed themselves to look white. She spoke in a heavy accent, her skirt was hemmed too short, and she refused to denounce her Roman Catholic upbringing. On top of all of this, she proved infertile, which, if you know anything about British royal history, doesn't tend to curry favour with the masses. Suffice to say, she was never considered Charles' perfect match. 
But the British monarchy was bankrupt. Charles needed Catherine's dowry, he needed Portugal's wealth, and in turn, Portugal needed the might of the English military to keep their borders strong. Who says romance is dead? Catherine was much maligned by the English court, mostly due to their incredible xenophobia. England had been, for a while, largely cut off from continental Europe. The European monarchs didn't love the idea of having some hick farmers who slaughtered their king around for a beer. So in the decade before Charles' coronation, the British Isles became a cultural backwater. All the cool shit that was happening on the continent, the risque fashions, the New Age Italian concertos and the exotic drinks were missed by the loser Brits, who were still listening to Merry Milkmaid's Wee, drinking ale with their breakfast and using MySpace, which was so 1650s. Catherine did not introduce tea to the Brits. That honour goes to importers in the decades earlier who tried to sell it to a puritanical population as a medicinal draft. Their campaign was shockingly unsuccessful. I guess everyone was too drunk on their breakfast ale to consider the health benefits of tea. But when Catherine pulled out her stash and served it to her closest confidants, people noticed. In Portugal, people had been drinking tea for decades, after the Portuguese initiated trade deals with China in the mid-1500s. The pouring of a cup was elegantly performed by aristocratic women who wouldn't allow their servants to touch their supply for fear the exotic and expensive leaf might be stolen. Tea was served green and in fine porcelain bowls, and often taken only by women. No, Catherine wasn't a beloved monarch, but it's kind of like how people say they hate Kim Kardashian, but we're all watching freaking YouTube videos trying to figure out how to contour. She was considered reproachfully foreign, but undoubtedly iconic, and this tea-drinking ritual started a trend. Demand for tea skyrocketed, and while the European continent had already moved on to coffee, the Brits started a new wild craze called an afternoon cuppa. Queen Catherine of Braganza is often considered a tragic figure, going slightly mad after suffering three miscarriages. Charles wasn't the model husband. He was a playboy so randy that he reportedly spent more time in the company of his numerous mistresses than he did in council meetings. Catherine simply never quite settled into her new home. But her mark on England is felt in a stark shift in fashions, ranging from clothes to interior design, music, and finally, to a much healthier national drinking habit. Although the Brits still took a while to give up their breakfast ale. By the 1700s, tea was still expensive, but the people wanted it, bad. Bad enough to buy it from dodgy street vendors in back alleys. Rumors were spread about tea. 
that it could stimulate, heal, and even reinvigorate a person's sex life, if only. An underground market was born where vendors would lace their tea with dried grass, local herbs, and even horse manure, just to meet demand. The tea mania in Britain bolstered trade between Britain and the East, helped again significantly by Catherine's dowry. The city of Bombay was rented out to the British East India Company, Yes, an entire city rented to a bloody corporation. It became a gateway in the east for the Brits. No longer did they need to rely on the Portuguese or the Dutch for their supply of silks, spices and tea. This British expansion into India had an almost unbelievable impact on the locals and on the world. In their quest to get tea, the British started an elaborate network of trade, one that led them to rape, pillage and conquer half the globe, a desecration we're still reeling from today. Tea is lurking in all corners of British history. It started wars, inspired suffragettes, fueled industry and helped begin the American Revolution. It also goes great with a nice bicky on a Sunday afternoon. Little Tiny is written and presented by me, Kara Schlegel. Produced by Bryce Halliday and Martin Peralta. Our history consultant is Zoe Tan and Joel Werner is our executive producer. You can email us at littletiny at abc.net.au with questions, corrections, and ideas for future episodes. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.